it is an unbelievable privilege to introduce Andrew and Rosie McNeil to you. Uh, Andrew and Rosie have been friends for the entire time we've been on this journey uh, as Oasis in the city. They were very, very quick as soon as we arrived to make us feel very, very welcome. And have always stood alongside, to be honest, as some of the best um, kind of, ex excuse this one, cheerleaders that I've got. <laughs> Uh, who just literally believe and want the best for us as a church. And therefore, when it came to kind of uh, thinking, who could we get to come in and share with us on this Sunday? Uh, I, we, we as a team just immediately thought of them and just thought it would be excellent to have them amongst us. So I wonder if we could just welcome them in a fashion, which is as we applaud them, is a, both a sense of celebrating and honoring who they are, but also a sense of saying, as we're doing this, we're also open our hearts to receive everything you have to share with them. So should we do that and welcome them? Andrew and Rosie. Thank you. I think we're... Do you know, it's such fun to be with you guys. We have been looking forward to this day for a while, and we love what you guys stand for as Oasis Church. And uh, do you know, there is a, an Oasis... There is a, an oasis-shaped contribution that God brings into the life of the city that we can't do at the vineyard. Because <laughs> it's it's, there's a call on you, and you guys are doing it, and we love that. And uh, we need you to be all that you can be in God and do all that you can do to the glory of God. And we need to play our part as well down the road, but you're doing it here. And we just are very honored, to be honest, to be amongst you on a special day. And so uh, the focus for me is just to share a few um, things that I feel the Lord's put in my heart for you this morning as we've been praying. And, um, you know, a birthday is always a good moment, isn't it? It's a moment to stop. It is a moment to look back and to celebrate, consciously recall the goodness of God over a period of time, to think back in your story. You might have just come here for the first time and you think it's a bit nostalgic, isn't it? Well, there's a story of God in this crowd. And if you're here for the first time, great place to be. Come back next week. Because there's a story unfolding as life said yes to Jesus here. And actually, it's another moment to remember and recall the faithfulness and the kindness of God. And that's what this morning is about. Um, it's interesting. When Adrian came through and spoke at the vineyard a little while ago, and uh, he's just a great communicator. He was there without notes, animated, clear, just engaging, humorous, on, you know, just on the ball. And my team on the Monday morning says, you know, step up, Andrew. You know, it's just like... <laughs> Step up your game. So I said to Rosie last night, darling, why don't I just go for it? No notes, from the heart, memorize the talk. She said, that'd be a disaster. <laughs> Thanks, honey. My biggest fan. Cheerleader on the front row there. I heard this story one time. You might have heard this story about a guy that was invited to preach at a church. And uh, he was there, and he'd not been preaching for too long, but was invited as a guest speaker. He just preached his heart out, just kind of gave it all, sat down, and uh, just they did a song at the end of the worship. And then after that, uh, the, uh, the elder, the lead elder or the pastor just came alongside and said, listen, just when this song's finished, would you be okay to preach again? Would you preach another message? And the guy was like, oh my gosh, that's never happened to me. And, um, and he basically was really kind of thrown by it, but kind of, but kind of honored as well. And he just was a bit, bit, you know, a bit confused, but thought, I'll, I'll, lean, I'll lean into this moment. And basically he... Um, said to the lead elder, said, so is that the kind of thing you normally do? You do normally ask people to preach a second time? And he says, no, but we know when someone has the anointing. We know when someone's on fire. And when they're not, we give them a second chance. <laughs> well, there's, there's, no, there's no second chances this morning. I'm not coming back this afternoon. So 
That's, there are three. Do you know, I, I feel today this is less of an expository preach through a chunk of the Bible. I would like you to turn to Romans chapter 12. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. This is less of a line by line going through the Bible, but more, I feel like I'm the, um, I'm the postman today delivering a birthday card from God. Your father is just wanting to say some things to you on your birthday to encourage you and to celebrate who you are and who you're becoming. So that's what I'm coming in. That spirit of just wanting to be a postman and serve and bring the thing that the Lord's put on our hearts to bring. And I'm just going to read um, briefly from uh, Romans chapter 12. There are three things I feel the Lord wants to say. He just wants to give a commendation to you and an encouragement from his heart to yours. Uh, there's a particular encouragement and perspective on some stuff that you might be in and going through, and there's just the nature of Christian life. But also there's a promise I feel God wants to speak over you guys. Uh, Romans chapter 12, I love this chapter, and it starts with a phrase of um, offering. You look in there, Romans chapter 12, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Starts with offering, and it ends at the chapter, at the end of verse 12. It's not on the screen, but it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So it starts with this offering of our lives, and then the end of the story is we're overcoming. Isn't that great? And that's part of what this chapter bookends this idea of being an offering of a life laid down and in the middle of all that God is doing something incredible there's an overcoming work even overcoming evil when it comes against us so let me just take a moment to get into this and I'm going to pray father thank you for your presence amongst us we pray that you would be here in this space in this moment speaking through my words and bringing encouragement and life and strength to oasis one of the fun things about coming as a guest speaker is that, you know, if you, you want to serve and you want to serve your friends, and if it goes really well, you think, great, everyone lives encouraged. And if it bombs, you think, you, the rest of you think, do you know what, I'm glad I'm not in the vineyard. <laughs> I'm glad we've got Adrian speaking most weeks. So I'm very free this morning. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I'm amongst friends, and whichever way it goes, it's going to be a win for you guys. So let's, let's get started. I know that you're in a year of adventure. There's a sense of being on this adventurous journey, trusting Jesus, learning to live this courageous life of saying yes to him. And do you know, every adventure begins with a yes and the start of this chapter is actually lay down your lives it's a daily act of worship it's an offering to say God all that I all that I am all that I have it's it's there do you know every adventure is sustained with a yes and I feel like part of what God's inviting for you guys is just your yes again as Oasis yes we're up for it (laughs) we're up for all that you've got for us as a church we're up for the adventure of being your people here in Birmingham And maybe you've never given your yes to Jesus. That's when the adventure of your life will start. You might be here, you've not followed him, you've just checked this thing out. I just want to say there might be a fresh yes or a first yes in your heart to give to Jesus this morning. Because that's where the adventure starts. That's where your life comes fully alive. I love the fact that this passage in in, uh, Romans speaks about offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, say yes to God in all of life because everything matters. That's one of your initiatives. Everything matters. That idea that Monday matters as much as Sunday. (laughs) Do you know, raising children and running companies, studying construction, it's all spiritual. And he's present in it all. Everything matters. There isn't this compartmentalized life. Your act of worship is to lay your lives down, the whole of you. It's not a song you sing. It's not a prayer you pray. It's much bigger, much more all-encompassing than that. And I love that about this picture of what it looks like to live this surrendered life. But as you're 
celebrating your birthday, I feel like God is wanting to commend you from this passage. I feel like there's, first of all, this commendation from the heart of God to you guys. And it's just a phrase that came to me that this, this is the thing that the Lord wants to say, that you are contributors and not consumers. Just that's in your DNA. You are contributors and not consumers. When you worship, you gather, and you come with an expectation that I can contribute to this song of God that's rising up from our church here. But also, that's your stance in family life. You're contributing and serving and leaning into being family authentically. That's what you do. But it's also your stance in the city. Contributing, as Adrian just spoke about, do you know what? You could have an attitude that would go, why are we getting charged for parking? Or you can think, do you know what? I'm leaning into a moment of generosity and blessing and doing it with a good heart because I love this city. God's put me here for the good of the city. That's why we're in this city. That's why we're here as church. And this passage goes on to talk about the different gifts that are there. It's not on the screen, but in chapter, th- in chapter 12, verse 3, for just as each of us has one body with many members, so these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though we are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And we, every one of us in this room, have got different gifts. I love that. Different gifts that have been distributed generously by God. And they're given according to the grace to each one of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. This picture of a contributing community, recognizing I'm here, and God is bringing into the room, when I come into this room, gifts that need to be invested in this space. That's what happens when you walk in the room. God's got a story. He's got stuff and treasure and talents in you. And actually, every one of you needs to have the mindset that says, actually, I'm coming as a contributor, not a consumer. And that's what you are. I just know it in my heart that that's who you are as people. That's who you are as family. And it's who you are in this city. And I feel like God is just wanting to cheer and commend that that's how he sees you. That your DNA is contributors and not consumers. And you know... Uh, as I think about that, I, I think about those moments as, as parents, if you're privileged to be a parent, and you have those moments where you try and kind of instill good stuff in your kids, and then all of a sudden, when, then, when, you're not, you know, when they're not aware of you watching, they step up and they do something good, they share something, or they're generous, or they step into a moment of being courageous, you think, come on, yes. You sort of feel this pride in your heart. You think, you can do it. That's, it's just wonderful when you feel like the things that you've been instilling are there, and they're freely expressing themselves. Well, I feel like the Father's saying that over you guys, that he's saying, yes. You're my kids, and I'm proud of who you are, and I'm proud of who you're becoming because you're reflecting me in how you do business, but you're reflecting me in the city that is home for you. In this passage, it talks about different gifts, gifts of prophesying, and, and there's, a, there's a list there, and they all talk about gifts that in many, in many ways every one of us can operate in. We can operate in all of those gifts at different times, but certain gifts are on certain people in, way that we, in ways that you excel in them. But I felt I felt God invited me to just dwell on one particular phrase in there. If your gift is giving, then give generously. And I felt I wanted to bring to you just a bit of an encouragement because I feel there's some stories that are yet to happen about God's goodness and about this gift growing in you. I know it's already part of your story, but I I felt inspired to just um, tell some stories. And let me just do that. When I tell stories, you have an option when you hear a story. When you hear a breakthrough in somebody else's life, You hear of an answered prayer, provision. You hear of coming into freedom. You hear of something that's just wonderful. You've got a couple of options when you hear a story. You can either think, God hasn't done that for me, and feel a bit cross. (laughs) Or you can choose to let that moment upgrade your thinking and realize, hey, if I'm hearing someone tell a story, if I read the Bible and I see a story in the Bible, or I hear a testimony, and it's not currently been my experience, there's an invitation to upgrade my thinking. 
Paul talks about this, and he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, this whole game of having a life of worship and offering our lives is actually to sometimes recognize our thinking as a space of maturity that God wants to work on. And there's an opportunity to upgrade our thinking when we hear God's stories. And it might not be your story right now, but it's revealing something of your Father in heaven. And I felt just the Lord say, I need to lean into a few stories about giving and generosity to describe and give a flavor of some of God's goodness because I feel it's part of his heart for you guys as community. Let me just tell you a few brief stories just um, that that have encouraged me. Early on in church life when we were leading, uh, we felt like we needed to get um, a midweek space to kind of do church in and uh, just have a space to do activity in the week and just offices and that sort of stuff. And I just felt you know, I hadn't done that sort of thing before. It was going to be a few thousand pounds a year. Just felt a little bit kind of, how do I do that? And I, I just mentioned it in passing just one Sunday. I think we should look for an office in the next, you know, or a midweek space in the next year or so. And then, just to be absolutely honest, sometimes when you're thinking about where provision might come from, you sort of think, well, there's certain people who I know are well-placed and others who are different life stages. And this lady caught me the following Sunday. And this lady was a single parent. She was, um, she was actually been widowed recently. And she said, you know what? I've been praying this last few months, and I felt God's nudge me. And actually, I want you to know that I've got the office covered for the next three years. I feel like his, his I think it was £6,000 a year for the next three years, just felt prompted. And as soon as you mentioned that phrase last Sunday, the Lord said, now is your moment. Go and chat to Andrew. And it just for me, it's just like that was an unexpected place to receive provision from. But it was just an unex- unusual act of generosity on that lady's part. And it just changed something in my mindset that God is good. And sometimes his provision comes from unlikely places. And I love that story because God was nudging me to move in a direction. And then provision came from an unusual place. But she was part of that story. And actually God did something in her life. I just a little while ago, a few years ago, we were... We'd managed to acquire a space, um, a building in town, and it was pretty rough and ready. We needed to do some work on it. And a couple uh, gave a gift, the largest gift we'd had in the church that time, of £25,000. It's like, whoa, that's a lot of money. You could do a lot of money with 25. You could do a lot of things with 25 grand, couldn't you? Do you know, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of options. To give it to church is like, really? I mean, but they did. They went that way. They thought, I'm going to give it to Jesus. And, and we, we received it, and we just popped on a thank you note back. And it was just like, whoa, just, it was wonderful. And then... They asked us out for a meal, like about 10 days later. And we thought, pop and see, they want the money back. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> just, you know, you kind of, things go through your brain as a leader, okay? Um, just being honest here. But no, no, no I, didn't think, I didn't think that actually. But, but we went out for this meal, and halfway through the meal, they said, do you know, we feel a bit embarrassed. Um, and I thought, here we go, here's the punchline. <laughs> and they said, actually, um, we've got another letter for you. And they just put this letter <laughs> over the table. And they said, it's... Um, well, let me, let me put it like this. Basically, we gave that £25,000 10 days ago, and uh, God has more than, more than made that back to us in the last seven days. And, I, and, they, and they said, we, had, we were just showing some kindness to a neighbor, um, just have done for years, because we're just trying to be good neighbors, what Jesus said to do. And this person died two years ago, but then we just, they just sorted out the will, and we just received a chunk of money from her. She's our family. We don't know her very well. We just kind of did the stuff that you do, the baseline stuff of just being a good neighbor. And there was some money came there, and we had a business deal that panned out. And they said, so we've written another check for 25000 I said, wow, I'll put this over for two weeks' time then, shall I? <laughs> we can keep doing this. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Do you know, do you know the interesting thing is that I love that story, but, but the, the training ground for trusting God and for generosity started where they were a young couple with two kids living on benefits. 
That's where the story started. There is, no, there is no way we can make things meet if we give our tenth to the church. If we tithe and we start to trust God, how's that going to add up? They made a radical choice. We're going to grow in a life of generosity. That's what you called us to do. It's not my experience yet that you provided for me. But I'm going to believe your word and I'm going to do it. And then look at it. 20 years later, they're writing checks for 25 grand a pop. Now, I'm not saying that's everyone's story. I'm not saying it's a prosperity moment. Don't hear me. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But, but there is a gift of giving that's described there. And actually... Isn't it funny? If you get worship leaders, you might gather them together in a room and do some training for worship leaders so they can get better. Or preachers, you might gather them together and say, hey, listen, who are the preachers here? Let's help them kind of grow in their gifting. When do we gather the givers and say, come on, let's grow in our gifting? You know, we, we all actually have that capacity to grow in giving and grow in generosity. And I felt like God wanted to say, there are some stories that God wants to emerge this year. And I felt by even telling a couple of stories, I wanted to spark something in your heart that would just say, I want to be one of those stories. <laughs> I would love to be one of those stories that gets to be partnering with God and actually saying, I can invest my time, my talents to see God's kingdom go forward. I love it. Jesus says, I will build my church. Okay, Jesus says, I'll build my church. And when you give, you're investing in what he's building. It's as simple as that. You're saying, I'm agreeing with you, Jesus, that your church matters, and I'm going to partner with you to see the church resource to do what it's called to do. The best story is a little... A little more recent, and it's just last year, and a young lad by the name of Mohammed, six years old. <laughs> I have the risk of getting emotional. And like you were saying, when you hear these stories, it just kind of gets you. And he, he came to Rosie at the end of church, and his mum was there, and he basically gave us this little bag, of a uh, little plastic bag, and it was just kind of jangling around a little bit. And uh, he basically said, uh, they were about to move out to the country, they were going to go out up to north somewhere because they'd been in the UK about a year, a year, and uh, he and his whole family come to faith, and he said, this, this is my money I want to give to Jesus. As I thank you. This is where we found Jesus. This is where our lives turn around. Jesus, Jesus has kind of met us here, and nothing is the same. Everything's changed. And he gave this offering, and it was, let me get it right, what was it, was he 67p? All in, all in coppers. It was, it was, he'd emptied his pocket, I mean, his, his piggy bank. He just like, emptied the whole thing. Just everything he had, he'd given. That is the most incredible gift I've ever been privileged to receive, honestly. Because there was a heart change by grace and saying, I'm going to be part of this story of, of seeing this happen for other people. He wanted other people that were from different cultural backgrounds to come and meet Jesus. I love that. And I just felt that was just a thing that was on God's heart for you guys to realize that's part of the story. And part of the adventure, this growing in grace of giving um, and being, and it might not be your mindset, it might not be your story, but upgrade your thinking to realize that's the Father that you serve. He wants to do that. He wants those miraculous stories of provision as part of your story this year. Trust Him. Second thing I felt encouraged by in this passage is the, the, the mindset to embrace when we find ourselves in times of testing and trial. You know, Paul says, be renewed by the be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and it speaks a lot in Romans 12. Glance at the next screen. Romans 12, 8. Be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do you know, it's interesting that I hate those times when I'm in trial, and I never, never love trial times. Anybody love trial times? I don't think we do. I mean, we, you know, we find ourselves in these trial times, and the scripture's full of them, isn't it? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because these uh, test your faith, and it produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want to be mature, I want to be complete, but the route to get there I don't like very much. <laughs> and, and, and actually, part of this passage and part of God's encouragement is that his 
route to maturity is often trials. And I know that you've had trials to contend with. There are situations that you're holding on in prayer and in your heart that, that are part of your story. And sometimes in those moments, it's really tempting to just want to get out of it. And I, I don't know if this is true, but I, well, I think it is true, actually. I came across this thing about lifts. You know lifts, when you go into a lift, there's that kind of door close button? Um, do you know, apparently, that most of those door close buttons are just mechanical placebos. <laughs> They're not actually wired up to anything whatsoever. They're only wired up to your impatience. Literally, if you press them, there's nothing behind it. There's no connections, there's no leads. It's just, you want to feel good about things. I'm going I'm to make this door shut, and I'm going to get up. I'm going to get on with my day faster. There's nothing behind it. It's just, it's just there to make you feel good, but it makes no difference to the operation of the lift, apparently. Little kind of neck, let alone fat when you're next to the board when you hit the lift button. Do you know, sometimes I get in those moments and I want to just press the button. I want to kind of move on quickly. I want to see things close. Let's have this chapter close and get on with life. But sometimes that's not the ways of God. God allows us. He's present in those moments. And let me just tell you a phrase that I found helpful. I heard a friend share with me. It's very easy and it's, the, it's a natural response in, in tough times in trials to ask the why question. The why question is okay. God is okay with the why question. Why is this happening? You read the Psalms and David asked the why question quite a few times. Do you know, asking why is not to question God's sovereignty Neither is it to reject God's mystery, but asking why just expresses our humanity. It's a great place to start, but it's a bad place to stay. And I think for us, there's a different kind of question that we can ask. We can go from the why question to what does this make available? Just turn for a minute to your neighbor and say, why are you sitting next to me? <laughs> and then why don't you say to them, and what does this make available? <laughs> Don't flirt. Just be, just, just be kind of good about it. You know, when we shift our mindset and we go from the why moments, because we're all, every single person in this room, I guarantee, will face trials, testings, tough time. It just happens. It's life. And if your question that you stay parked at is why, then you could miss some stuff that God's trying to do. If you say, what does this moment make available? There could be resources or things that God wants to do in your heart and situation that you wouldn't have had access to. Do you know what Paul talks about? I'm going to boast in my weakness because your grace is sufficient for me. Your power is made perfect in my weakness. Actually, I'm in, I'm in a situation right now where I feel weak, but there is an expression, there is a connection to the power of God that I've never had access to all my life. And it's just now because of weakness that I can experience it in a unique way. Isn't that amazing? You think about Psalm 23. David's going, my gosh, I just feel like my enemies are all around me. But you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. So actually, I'm in this situation. I'm up against it under the cosh. And there's a provision and a resource for me that I didn't know was available. And so I got into that place of pressure. Yeah? That happens for us, friends. And if your stance and your heart gets stuck in the why, why, why is this, why is this happening? Why, why? They're blessed and I'm not. Why is this going on? You missed something. Maybe shift the question to what does this make available? I know for you guys that as I heard the testimonies and I was just hearing the stories, I just was moved in the same way that Adrian was to think, do you know what? In trials and tough times, sometimes it makes available the chance to be a more authentic community, to love courageously, to be there in good times and bad, to be vulnerable, to be accepted for who we are and not what we do. All these things become available sometimes in the midst of tough moments. God repurposes the pain. He redeems the stuff that we face. And he makes available an authenticity of life and community and faith through those moments. Do you know, in the midst of your story right now, God might be wanting to reveal himself. You will not know God as your provider until you're facing lack. 
You won't know God as your peace until you're totally stressed out. You won't know God as your shield until you're taking a pounding. You won't know God as your comforter until you're experiencing grief and loss. That's the reality. The revelation of God often comes in the very real things that we're facing in life. So rather than getting stuck in a why posture, what does this make available? What are you trying to show and teach me and, and, and put in my heart, God, through this moment? The challenge is, though, in this time when we're finding ourselves hard-pressed from different sides, is just to lean into, that, lean into that place of trust, that posture of trust. Any of you play that trust game where you sort of stand and you kind of someone catches you? Just have a glance at the screen for a minute. This is an example of the trust game. There's a video there. Can you play that one, guys? And close your eyes and just fall down, okay? Okay, then Lauren's going to catch you. Okay, Okay, it's called the trust fall. Okay, trust fall. Ready, set, go. (laughs) (laughs) That, friends, is a bad dad moment, okay? (laughs) That that daughter's in therapy (laughs) right now. You know, uh, that was an epic fail by Lauren's dad. Um, lack of communication. But, you know, I'm so glad that I've got a good father. I've got a good father. He's covered the bases. It says this in Deuteronomy. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Wow, that's the way it is. Do you know, in those moments where I'm leaning into trust and I'm saying, God, what's going on underneath my life are the everlasting arms of God. It's interesting, isn't it? And Paul talks in this passage about, you know, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. You know, don't let your enemies set the agenda, is what he's saying. If you were to drive out of here and you get to the roundabout and someone cuts, cuts you up and they're a bit aggressive and they're driving and they wave at you, not like a five-finger wave, maybe like a two-finger or one-finger wave. You know those kind of waves? You ever had those waves? You're driving. Now, you've got a choice right there when that person's waving. Do I just uh, wave back <laughs> with a one or two fingers? Or do I, what do I do? You know, if you respond in kind when they've just cut you up and they're being a bit aggressive, if you respond in kind, you're letting your enemy set the agenda. You're letting their, their anger and their attitude set the agenda and you're responding in kind. You know, that's not the option that Jesus wants for us. He doesn't want us to let our enemy set the agenda when something's kicking off in our life, whether it's interpersonal or on a bigger scale. He doesn't ever want to empower the enemy that much. And sometimes when things are kicking off, just don't give the enemy the pleasure of setting the agenda and setting your response. That's the heart that we want to have is to say, Do you know what? Actually, there's something else available for me right now, which is I'm going to release heaven's agenda into the situation by responding in a righteous way. Whether it's an interpersonal conflict at work or it's something bigger kicking off in your life, I'm not going to let my enemy or the enemy set the agenda or my response because I'm shaped by something different and something bigger. The final thing I felt that the Lord wanted to encourage you guys with was... um, just a prophetic word that I felt as I was praying. I was um, struck by this verse in 1 Peter 7, and it just says this, these trials, and we all embrace and experience trials, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It should be on the screen, I think. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So really, a couple of things from today is um, a commendation that your contributors are not consumers. The second thing is that actually in the midst of trials, having a stance and a heart that opens you up to some resources that might be available. What does this make available to me about a revelation of God? And the last thing is this picture of being tested and what God does in that moment. I felt as I was praying, I saw this whole process of testing and kind of verifying the quality of gold. Uh, Birmingham is 
I've got a place called an assay office, which basically it hallmarks the stuff that is made in this part of the world. And it gets hallmarked. Do you know what the hallmark of Birmingham is? Anybody know? It's an anchor, yeah. Click onto the next screen. It's an anchor. That's the image that's basically put on any uh, metal produce, any gold or silverware that happens in Birmingham. It's the anchor there. That's the symbol of Birmingham. And Matthew Bolton was the guy that got it negotiated for Birmingham. And I was praying, and I felt that picture came to mind of like this anchor getting hallmarked on you guys as a people. And I thought, what's that about? And I felt this is what the Lord was wanting to say. Do you know, for the first three centuries, the dominant symbol that described the church was actually the anchor and not the cross and it comes from that verse in Peter that I'll read in a moment basically it says in uh, sorry it says in Hebrews sorry in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 we have this hope as an anchor for the soul sure and strong it enters behind the curtain into the most holy place in heaven and so for the early church if they just put a cross everywhere that was too much of an easy identifier and you look in the catacombs in rome and the anchor is there for the first three centuries is this symbol because it's it's uh, the anchor cross the one with the cross and the anchor at the bottom that you see on the screen behind you uh, that was the early symbol and i i didn't know that until i was doing some research over the weekend and i felt that god was saying there's something about you guys that is like hallmarked that God has done something and is doing something, that basically a hallmark only goes on a piece of metal when it is authentic, when it's been tested, when it's valuable, when it's been verified as having a quality that is worth being recognized. And I felt like it's a commendation that God wants to speak over you, that your faith is genuine, you've been tested through the fire, and God has marked you, that you're authentic, tested, and valuable. And I felt God was wanting to say that's part of what he's done in you and he sees over you. That this, this picture of the anchor is like a picture of hope, that, that you carry hope. But the second thing is I felt God was saying that through Oasis, God is leaving a mark on this city. There is a hope that is inspired by your faith and love. And actually, it is leaving an impression in your workplace, in your community, through the people, the lives that are being touched. There's this sense of that impression that God has put on you, being extended through you as you say yes to him, as you serve him. There is this God-shaped mark that he's leaving on the city, a mark of hope and faith inspired by your love. But the third thing I felt about this anchor thing is that God is using you guys, Oasis, to leave a mark on the nation. And I just, I share this in, in humility before you, but I just feel that your faith, your story, your life and your leadership is making an impact on other churches. I know that's obvious in Catalyst, that's a space where you guys have a realm of influence, but I feel that God is increasing that for you, and that he's multiplying something that is real, that is authentic, that's tested and precious, and that part of what God is doing through you is recognizing that we are a marked people, we're marked by God's hope and God's goodness. We're leaving a mark on our city as we say yes to him, but God is calling us and is using us already and wants to increase our reach, that actually who you are leaves an impression on people. Do you know that? When you do life and you do faith and you do church, it leaves an impression on people. And as, as Adrian spoke earlier about many people, hundreds have been here and have taken something of the God story they learned in Oasis and they've gone around the world and they've gone around the country. And I feel like God's got more of that. And he's got people that will come to your door and things that you will facilitate with leaders and discipling and training and events that you run that actually takes that good God story that you've got and impresses it in the right way on other people's hearts and lives. And actually, that's part of your calling. Do you know, you don't judge a church by its seating capacity. You judge it by its serving capacity. And you guys are servants. You guys have stepped up to the adventure to serve Jesus faithfully amongst yourselves as community, but also faithfully in your city and also in this nation and beyond. And I feel like God wants to commend you.
this morning and encourage you that there is much more in store. And I particularly felt that this year is a year of provision, that this gift of generosity and giving, even the spirit and the stance by which Adrian would come and describe, hey, listen, we've got an opportunity to be grumbling or to give to our city, even by paying a parking charge. It's a, it's a, it's a little moment that just describes something. You know, little stories make things accessible for us, and big stories let us know what's available. When you hear that little story of little Mohammed giving 67p, you think, that's accessible, I could do that. And when you hear about a check for 25,000, you think, I didn't even know that was available to do that and have money come back in your bank within two weeks. I feel like God is wanting to un, um, expand your paradigm and horizon of what he wants to do in you guys. And we just, you need to know that we as the vineyard just love you guys to bits and cheer you on. We, we want you to be all that God's called you to be and do what you're called to do. And the last 18 years has been an adventure. And I feel like today there's, a, there's an opportunity just to, to give your yes again to Jesus, to give your yes for the next season. You don't know what's in store. You can't map out the future in detail, but Jesus does. And I feel there's like a... Um, Adrian can't do it on behalf of you. He can't do it vicariously like as a priest. I mean, it has to be an individual yes in every heart to say, Jesus, I'm making a choice today to say yes to you, to saying yes to this adventure of faith, to this story that is unfolding. Because every... Adventure starts with a yes, and it's sustained by a yes. And that's what this passage is all about, offering today and tomorrow and the day after your lives, the whole of you, as a living act of worship. We're going to pray, and um, just I just want to have a, a moment of stillness just to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit might want to do in this moment. I feel the Lord is here by His Spirit, and uh, I just I leave that with you to weigh and test, but I felt there was something from the heart of God for you guys as an encouragement. And even just the word that was shared during the contribution, that sense of a coin being impressed, I just felt it's a confirmation. I mean, the Lord is marking you guys. There's something of high value here that the Lord wants to cheer and cherish. And the impression you're leaving on our city and further field is a God impression of his making. Father, thank you for your presence amongst us. Holy Spirit, I recognize that you're here at the very heart of Oasis Church. It was started by you and it's sustained by you. And right now, I ask for more. I bless your good purpose in this wonderful community. Holy Spirit, just increase your presence right now in this room. Friends, some of you have been in a wide place for a while. And the invitation this morning is to have a different conversation with your father and say, well, what does this make available? Is there something about your character that you're wanting to reveal to me in this time? Others of you have some faith rising up in your spirit about growing in that grace of giving. And you don't know how you do it, but there's just something stirring. You think, yeah, I want to in on that stuff. I want to invest where Jesus is building. And there are others here, and Jesus is wanting to hear that yes from the first time, or maybe a fresh time, that yes to him and his future, his leadership, his lordship. There's a yes that you need to offer to your Father in heaven this morning.
just we're going to just share Rosie's and thank God. A couple of things from the Lord. And we'll just we'll share a couple of things, then we'll pray, and then we'll draw things to a close in a few moments. This isn't sermon number two, but there are just a couple of things that I felt like the Lord spoke to me about um, as I've been praying for you. And um, it's quite amazing, really, how it's tied in with everything that's happened this morning. So the first thing was that I felt like the Lord wanted to say to you, believe in your story. Believe in your story because it will be your story that will give you courage in the next season. Your story is where your authority comes from. Your story is where your integrity comes from. To be able to speak about the things that God has done in you and through you and amongst you. So that was the first thing. Believe in your story. And the second really small thing was, um, I felt like God said, don't lose sight of hope, but cling on to the blue. And I was like, what's that? I was brought, brought up on the south coast where the Navy um, were, had all their naval bases. And uh, when it was a grey day, we used to look out and look at the sky. And mum would used to say, there's enough blue to make a sailor's pair of trousers. And if you could see enough blue in the sky to make a pair of trousers, then you knew that the sun was going to come through eventually. And I felt like... Uh, for some of you who felt like the skies have been a bit grey for a really long time, God wanted you to look up and keep hold of the blue because that blue is a sign of hope that the sun is going to break through. And then there was one other thing. I was really drawn um, to the story of when uh, Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and they were on the lake and there was a storm and, the, Jesus, uh, and the, the disciples were terrified and there was Jesus sleeping with his head on the pillow and the disciples were getting stressed and they're like, Jesus! You don't seem to care. What are you doing? Why aren't you calming the storm? And the really interesting thing is that it's not about the disciples, that story. It's, I don't think it's about them at all. I don't think it's about um, their response. If you look to the beginning of the next chapter, the beginning of Mark chapter 5, Jesus needed to get to the other side of the lake because there was a demoniac there who needed to be delivered. And the first thing Jesus does is, yeah, he calms the storm, but just because he needs to get to the other side, because there's there's work for him to do. And he saw that that storm had been sent by the enemy to try and stop him mm. doing the thing that he was meant to do. Mm. And, and actually what happened was that demoniac got delivered and he went to 10 cities and the gospel was proclaimed throughout the region. And um, I felt like God was saying that he has places for you to go and plans for you to deliver and, that, and it's not about the storm. It's about you getting to where you need to get to and Jesus getting to where Jesus needs to get to through you. Yeah. And that as you remember your story, that is going to give you the love and the grace and the rescue that will allow you to sleep in the storm, just like Jesus did. Yeah. So those are the three things that I think. Should we stand together, friends? Just um, We just want to... Just pray God's blessing uh, over us. And um, just I recognize that sometimes in these moments, um, God is getting our attention about something. Maybe Adrian, do you want to come to the front as well? Um, we'd love to make space to pray for anybody. You know, if you feel like actually you need to give a yes to Jesus in a conscious way. Sometimes just responding in your heart, you feel like that settles it between you and God. But sometimes you need to do something more proactive to kind of recognize that God's on your case about something. Whatever your story, we're going to give space for that. So Father, thank you that you're here by your spirit. We love what you're doing. And we want to just align ourselves with you and all that you've got for us. Father, we, just, we as friends from outside this church who've been here 
uh, we while in the city just want to pray a blessing on Oasis. We pray for health and growth and vitality. Thank you for the God story that's here. And Father, from the depth of our hearts, we just pray for more for this wonderful community. We pray for you to give them courage in their spirit to do everything that you've called them to do. We pray that the God-shaped contribution that you're going to bring through their obedience would be visible and wonderful in the city. Father, we just pray for them to prosper and thrive. We pray for provision, for stories of incredible goodness to be manifest through this community, here, in the room, in relationships, across our city and across this nation. Father, we thank you. And from the core of who we are, we just say, we see you here, Lord. We sense your presence. And where you are, Lord, we say more. Do more, Father. Increase what you're doing. Uh, to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Bless you.